Well, thank you. Thank you so much for... <laughs> Welcome to Hey Arnold Hey. Uh, this is Corey. With me is Adam Samaha. Hello, Adam. Um, we're talking today about a couple episodes of Hey Arnold, as usual, Operation Ruthless and the Vacant Lot. A um, couple things. Uh, yeah, we're on iTunes now, which is really exciting. Um, it took us a couple months to figure it all out, but we are there. And um, it would be really great uh, for those of you who are listening. Uh, I think most of you who are probably have subscribed, which is great. But if you could rate and review, that would be and great. And subscribe if you haven't. Subscribe if you haven't. Rate and review, because that's the only way. They don't really show. They don't really show us like our stats. We don't know how many people are listening or anything. And so, what rate? What rating and reviewing does? It gives us an indication of um, who's listening, and it also gives them an indication that people are listening. We want to, you know, be seen there. And so, the more people that are listening, the, the more likely. It, it'll get listened to. And so if you review it, we know what you like and what you don't like. Yeah. Like probably more, um, silence, I would assume. Um, less talking, less talking. That's what I'm going for. Yeah. That's stupid. I'm sorry. Uh, so yeah, a couple of the things we, we do have a website. Hey, Arnold, Hey.com. We also, um, you can email us. Hey dot. Hey, Arnold, Hey at gmail.com. Maybe, I don't know. Should they send questions and we'll read them live on the air? Is that the... Yeah, you can send any question and we will answer it. That's our... We'll answer idea. it. Maybe not live. If it's a bad question, we won't. We'll... <laughs> I will answer it if yeah, it's bad. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> what if it's like, why are you dumb? What Are we going to read that That's out? worth an answer. Okay. They All might right. have a good reason as to why they yeah. are dumb. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so the idea is to watch the episodes, if you can, before uh, listening to this. That way you can kind of you know, you, you can track with us a little bit better. But the cool thing that I've, I've talked to some people since they've listened to this, like my sister finally got around to listening to a few and she isn't, my sister isn't crazy about cartoons and she, but she also did grow up on Hey Arnold when we were kids. That was the main show we watched. And so she said she hadn't watched this episode and like, I think she watched the, the downtown is fruits or no, she listened to the downtown is fruits and Eugene's bike podcast episode and she hadn't seen that, you know, the television episode in years and years. And she said that as she was listening to it, she like could, she could, um, remember it like each moment while she was listening, she didn't need to even watch it. So that's kind of cool to know that like these shows are so deep ingrained in our brains that they, you know, we forever have a place there. Yeah. They forever have a place there, but still watching the episodes good. It's on Hulu plus you can maybe find it on, I've seen a, a few episodes floating around on YouTube um, check Amazon, et cetera. Um, am I forgetting anything here? Uh, no, but this last weekend, uh, circling back to things that we talked about in a few episodes before on Friday in, uh, Orange County's probably greatest, uh, music venue that we have the slide bar. Oh. That was a joke. It's a disgusting, horrible place. It's like the hard rock cafe. If there was like more bros there and it's and not like more terrible. Yeah. It's just terrible place, but uh, open Mike Eagle and this guy Serengeti did this album together under the name Kavanaugh. Yeah, but the reason it's important is because Mike Eagle does the podcast uh, Conversation Parade about uh-huh. 
Adventure Time. Adventure Time, which is a really, really great show, and you guys should listen to it. We talked about it once before, I think, on the show. Yeah. I, when I think of like my favorite cartoons, Harold is usually number one, but Adventure Time is like a close second. And they it's do an amazing show. job with uh, Conversation Parade. Yeah, it's not just a review podcast. They're talking about themes, and they're talking about... Yes, um, edited really well. They do a really good job. Yeah. One day. One day, maybe, yeah, yeah. When, when we move out of this little apartment in Anaheim. Maybe. Yeah. By the way, Adam, you still have just like boxes everywhere and like like picture frames against the wall. It's been, it's been like three weeks, man. You got to unpack these. Yeah, I realize I'm never going to put pictures up again. I think that's sort of a bougie thing to do is hang your pictures. <laughs> <laughs> the people the people leave the pictures on, on oh no yeah yeah like hmm man this home has pictures hanging up pretty bougie you think you're better than me you think you're better than me yeah what the hell are you doing it's a class thing like, um, yeah it's so stupid when i made you'll know i've made it when i start hanging the pictures on the wall <laughs> it, it it builds a sense of permanence too it like does, yeah, yeah it's saying like i'm willing to hammer this nail into the wall yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not laziness that's not the reason um no. Yeah. I oh, didn't, and I didn't say it was laziness. <laughs> you said that. I didn't. And this is another thing on Saturday, Sunday. Crap. I met the guy. His name is Reagan, but uh, bus driver who I talked about last time when we were doing like, a, this is an introduction to my life. The things I like. Um, I talked about his podcast and thing he does. And I saw him do it in real life yesterday. And it was really cool. He did like spoken word poetry and did a freestyle. And it was really cool. And what's that guy's name? Uh, he goes under the name bus driver. That's what he makes music under. So you can like. He had an album called Thumbs that just came out. That's very, Thumbs. very, very good. But yeah, so that was weird and cool that my the podcast is merging with my real life. Yeah, well, it, I mean, this <laughs> it is should. this it is, is my, your real life, sort of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would, I would hope so at some point. That's cool. Anything so, else? Anything else happened to you this weekend? This week? No. Cool. Not at all. Just those things. That was kind of cool. I got to have Friday off from work and do that, which goes to oh, a show. Yeah. Cool. Shoot some photos. Mm-hmm. Do the whole thing. Drink some beers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One beer an hour, folks. That's so a that's a good rule. That's good. So S- stay yeah. safe out there. Yeah. Hmm. Anything with you, Corey? Hmm. Hmm. Just trucking. Just trucking. That's good. Yeah, I gotta prepare my life a little more before I come on here because I'm having to, I'm like <laughs> scrambling right now. Like, what did I do this weekend? And I I don't know. I See, don't. I normally I didn't do things before the podcast. Now I started being active, so I had things to talk about. Yeah. Before we I, get into the cartoon, I saw a great. I'll say I saw a great comedy show. I, every Sunday night, I go and see Search History at, at UCB Franklin, Upright Citizens Brigade, and they are so funny. They they basically look, okay. So they look through. They take a volunteer from the audience and they look through your Search History on your phone. Oh, um, that's terrifying. I know. No, no, they don't do. They, they like say it before. Like they're like, no sex stuff, no porn. Don't worry about it. No We're not going to talk about it. Like general anxieties that I type in. Right, into right. Google. So anyway, they look. They look through. They look through your phone, and then they create improv based on it. And it is. I've I've gone there probably eight or nine times, and they're so good. So I don't know. It's like five five bucks. Yeah. It's also at eleven o'clock at night. Anyway, if you live in LA, you should check it out sometime. It's great. Search history at UCB. Yeah. A show based off my phone would be like, how long is it okay to not wash your hair for? (laughs) (laughs) Which is so disgusting. (laughs) What's the answer? Do you know? There is no consensus. It's all over the place. Some people don't wash their hair at all, period. Some people just use water. Some people use all natural soap. Yeah, that... that I'm figuring it out as I go. Yeah. I I mean, as long as you're washing your hair every once in a while. You got to hop. You get the body in the shower, I think you're fine. Scrub a little. You heard it here, folks. (laughs) You heard it here first. Um, yeah, I, I was going to say something else about all of this and I forgot. 
Trap, I blew it for you. Yeah, you blew it for me. Let's oh. talk about it, Arnold. That's why we're here. You're not here to hear about our dumb, dumb, sad lives. Well, they're not sad. Dumb lives. Just dumb. But whose life isn't dumb? It's true. Arnold's isn't. That's true. It was yeah, written. moving on. So Ruthless. Operation Ruthless. Operation Ruthless. Which, by the way, I found out, I was just like Googling Operation Ruthless. It was a term coined or something by, let's see, I pulled it up. Operation Ruthless was the name of a deception operation devised by Ian Fleming in the British Admir- Admiralty during World War II in an attempt to gain access to German naval Enigma codebooks. I know that's not what this episode's about, but the phrase that's great is, Operation Ruthless was the name of a deception operation. Which is what this Helga is, does. Uh, this is basically this episode. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say right off the bat, this is uh, definitely the weakest episode. <laughs> We've yeah, talked I didn't about like it. this episode. This is like the weakest episode of the show so far. Um, and, and honestly, like there hasn't been one where both Adam and I are like, bleh. Like, and even the ones where we're like, eh, we've, we're able to talk about a lot of stuff and we're hoping that that's can happen here too. I think there's some good stuff here and it's, it's just weak writing. The whole yeah. thing is not good. There's a lot of like simple gags they used in the animation and the jokes. And yeah. I think it was kind of just sort of, and, and it's obviously this is the, you know, number, uh, 11, 11 or something or 13. Like th- this is know. like, there's been more good than there has been bad episodes. Oh, oh for sure. yeah. Even the ones that are like mediocre are still good episodes this is the first one that's been kind of yeah it's just strange i don't know but yeah the writing was weak but i think they're trying to drive home the point of like helga and arnold yes and helga obsesses over arnold and misses a lot of opportunity while arnold obsesses over another girl yeah yeah a love triangle a weird love triangle um i'll give like a really basic uh summary um basically the uh cheese fair is happening in their town uh, which is do all towns have cheese fairs? Is that a thing? Um, so they go to this cheese fair and Arnold's like, I'm going to see Ruth and I'm going to, when I see her there, I'm going to talk to her. And he like rehearses all this stuff he's going to say. He says, there's one part where he just repeats a hundred times. Hi Ruth. Hi Ruth. Hi Ruth. <laughs> and Gerald kind of calls him out like you're obsessed, man. Um, at one point Gerald says, He's a sick boy, yeah. <laughs> which is good. Um, and as this is happening, as Arnold's building up the courage to talk to Ruth. Ruth is this, by the way, Ruth is a sixth grade girl from their school. Ruth McDougal. Ruth, Ruth McDougal. Ruth McDougal. Um, it's a girl that he's kind of obsessed with. And uh, so not in the same way that Helga's obsessed with Arnold, but almost like pretty close. And um, Normal obsession is what Arnold Yeah, like, yeah, no, exactly. Very yeah. normal obsession. Um, so... At, well, as Arnold is trying to figure out a way to t- just talk to Ruth in a normal way, Helga is spending her whole time trying to um, sabotage. sabotage the whole situation. She overhears him talking to Gerald about Ruth, and she's like, what has she got that I ain't got? And Phoebe and, tries like, to list all the things that she has <laughs> that, she has. that <laughs> Helga doesn't have. Yeah, Which this is, yes, uh, this is one of the first like explicit moments. And, not, and it's still veiled a little bit, but like she says to Phoebe... Not that I care what Arnold thinks, but I care. And that isn't, it's not explicit. She doesn't say to Phoebe, I love Arnold, but like, you know that Phoebe knows. Yeah, and, she made it pretty obvious. Yeah, and Phoebe kind of leans into it. Um, so that's interesting, seeing how Helga deals with friends about these like private issues um, in a veiled, unhealthy way. That's yeah. the way she does it. Um, that's how she is. Yeah, so Helga, like, 
basically the first two thirds of this is just Helga doing weird things to sabotage it. Like she tries to crash bumper cars and she like trips Arnold, like knocks him down. And they're like really lackluster attempts. Um, and Helga's yeah. like, yeah. I did my job, did great. Um, but the, but then it kind of, the plot does get pretty interesting. Like two minutes before it ends. Yeah. They, they're in line at the, um, uh, tunnel of love and like Arnold's trying to get into the same boat as Ruth and Helga's trying to get in the same boat as Arnold. And Helga kind of sets off a chain of events where the kids like go crazy, like a pack of animals. They sound like animals. Yeah. And they all are trying to get into boats with each other. And, um, then like nothing happens to any anybody except Gerald and Phoebe kind of hit it off because they're like on the sidelines as their two friends are obsessing over these other people. Um, and they, so they end up getting on a boat together and there's this like sweet moment where Gerald's like, Whoa, are you okay? Phoebe? Cause basically Phoebe and Helga crashed into the side of a, of a, yeah, they had a moment hot dog stand. Um, and so Gerald like hears that story and says, wow, are you okay? That's so cool. And they kind of connect and, um, then when at the end of the episode, Helga th- like thinks she's success, she, you know, she's succeeded in, um, uh, like stopping Arnold and Ruth from getting together. But in it, she did two things. One is she made Arnold even more interested in Ruth. Arnold says, I think he wrote down the challenge just makes me like her even more. <laughs> yeah. He likes the chase. Arnold. Yeah, yeah. That's right. He likes the chase, chase that dragon. Um, that's different. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> that's okay. Heroin reference. Yeah, which, oh, whoops. I don't <laughs> which know. Which love know. is a drug. Is yeah, it is exactly. <laughs> but then the, the, the part, the music, like, Oh, the music's so good. The music kind of goes, like, like it's all romantic and sweet. And Helga looks over and sees, Gerald and Phoebe walking away together Holding hands. and like the camera kind of like slowly moves away from Helga as she kind of sadly like watches that. And I think it's, she's not, I don't think she's even mad that like they're together. It's more like she realized what, what she missed, what she doesn't have in that moment is companionship mm-hmm. and someone who cares for her. And it's like sad. And then the episode's over. And you're like, what did I just watch? Yeah, I think she learns that you don't find love through sabotage. That's not a good approach. To yeah, things. yeah. And, and there's, you end up alone. Yeah. I wonder how much... I think there's more sabotage in these episodes, but they work better. This is a this is the first time you see Helga like really, truly mean. Because the other two episodes with her, like Helga-centric, she's a bully, but not... No, she's, she's not pretty sab- shitty the whole way through. Yeah, but she's this not sabotage. It's not. Yeah, yeah, it's not sabotage. It's not sabotage. Yeah, but you know that she's capable of it. And this is an example. And this is it. It's yeah. like so mean. It's yeah, so yeah. mean. Yeah. yeah. And I think if you, if anyone that is listening is ever thinking about doing a, a nerdy review podcast about a cartoon, the thing you don't want to feel is what you feel when you're watching. When we were watching this episode, which is like, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing here. Like it's written poorly. Like there's, no, I don't know. It was an awful episode. Yeah. But and knowing it, that the next one is the vacant lot and having remembered that from my youth, um, I, you know that there's more to it. There's more depth to it and everything like that. And it's, you get yeah. Excited again, but th- it was, yeah, this is well, a bad episode, and it's still so it's still early in the series. Yeah, you're allowed um, to have some bad episodes. Yeah, and it it's okay. Like, and there's even Seinfeld had bad early episodes, and that's a fantastic yeah. show. And there's a, and there's there's some good moments that I think yeah, like I think all the stuff surrounding the um the love uh, the tunnel of love is yeah, pretty I interesting. To, I wanted to jump into a part about that. That yeah. was the most interesting part, I think. Yeah, go for it. Because I think that 
Yeah, the episode, I think, shows like different paths to trying to find love. And I think Helga takes the sabotaging sort of mischievous route. Mm-hmm. And then Arnold has that sort of relatively normal obsessive route. And then Gerald uh, and Phoebe, they kind of happen upon each other, like at, out of like random chance, essentially, which yeah. is like another route people can go to find love in their lives. And I think you see that there's all these different paths. And I think people see that in their, their life. But there's this one scene where when they're waiting to get on the tunnel of love, hmm. uh, where the boys stand on one side of this fence, the girls stand on the other side of this fence. And you're kind of supposed to like not pay attention. Very to gendered. Yeah, yeah, very gendered. And like you walk. And then once you get on the ride, you realize you find out who you are getting on the ride with. And that's the person you're going to love, supposedly. Yeah. It's a barrier that, that makes it seemingly random. Yeah, exactly. So, But Arnold and Gerald had figured out, they timed it perfectly so that Arnold would get on when Ruth McDougal gets on and he's up there checking uh over he looks over the fence and he's checking and he realizes that it's off their timing is off so he tries to get in line where he can be in line with Ruth and then everyone starts to do this Helga starts to do this and then it kind of well Helga's chaos. the one who 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 sets it off she like yeah. moves Ruth back and yeah. then Arnold notices that and that sets off a chain reaction yeah which is what you're saying definitely yeah. and I think that there, that was like a, one of the few interesting moments of this episode is that it, I think that in our lives, there's like a lot of ways that you can do this. So I think online dating is a completely normal thing that everybody right, right, does. Right, right. But there's an element of it where you're like peeking over the fence. Yeah, absolutely. Like you're yeah. saying like, this is who I am. And you like list it out in this sort of thing. And then you put it into an algorithm by using a dating website. And then it's supposed to match up with the perfect person. Mm-hmm, so it's mm-hmm. like you going into the line, looking at the whole lineup essentially and going, screw this person. Nah, this person's boring. I don't like this person. This person's ugly. Going, this girl's the perfect girl. Yeah, yeah. Or these are the few five perfect girls. Yeah, or yeah. Out of a thousand or oh, whatever. Yeah. yeah. And then you go on a date with that one and you get on the, you know, the swan and then you enter the tunnel of love with that person or you can do like gerald and phoebe did which is you kind of go through life as you go through life and then then they land in the swan together exactly then you end up in the swan with the right person and that's sort of an ideal way of looking at it but to me that was the most interesting thing i think you can draw parallels in our lives like that um yeah i don't know yeah there's and there's like an aspect of like even social media too like we're like we act like it's our own private bubble but really we're seeing everybody else too and we're kind of like envying it or like yeah like like putting ourselves into other people's shoes in a way that's like it's not very present in our own life it's like i'm more interested in what's happening with other people and i think mm-hmm. i think you're right that those are examples of looking over the fence exactly yeah um and even hoping that other people are looking over the fence to you yeah too. yeah definitely hmm. and i think that and everyone has been Arnold in that situation, I think, like where you you see this person that you're interested in and you don't really know much about them, but there's something that attracts you mm-hmm, to them. Mm-hmm. And you just end up like playing the situation over and over in your head and you try and preparing. But you realize like as you get older, you can't ever prepare for that moment. Like those moments just happen or they don't happen. Absolutely. And the more yeah. you prepare for a specific yeah. person, the worse off you're going to be because that's not how life works. Yeah, I'm such a planner, like not just with like romance stuff, but even just any kind of like conversation that I'm nervous about, I'll play it in my head over and over. And I think... But have you ever implemented that and seen how it turns out? Because I think it yeah, usually turns out terrible. Bad. Oh, like, really horrible. bad. Okay, okay. I, I, I just remembered a thing that I did in high school. There was a teacher. He was such a good teacher. He was one of the best teachers I had. Prepared me for college, prepared me for life. But it was hard. It was the hardest class I took in high school. He was very difficult. And... um I was convinced. So I went to a small private school um, and 
what that meant was the honors teachers. I, I was on the honors track, which is a little bit of a smaller group of kids. And so you end up taking the same teacher multiple years in a row. And so the first year I had this guy, bad sign, I'm thinking he hates me. I really legitimately thought he hated me. And so I wrote, I like talked about the friends like, hey, does it seem like he hates me? And people are like, yeah, it seems like he hates you, <laughs> which doesn't help at all. You're like, okay, cool. He hates me. Uh, I know I need to talk to him. This is the beginning of a long, a three-year relationship with this teacher. So I wrote down on a note card all the reasons why, like the proof why I thought he hated me. And I walked into his class during lunch and I read him this prepared statement. (laughs) That's so painful. I was like, you know, 15 or whatever. Yeah. And he laughed because it was preposterous. Yeah. He said, I don't hate you. I just like, I don't always say that I don't hate somebody. That's like not, I don't need to do that. That makes sense. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that actually makes a lot of sense. Hmm. And I became an adult that day. Yeah. <laughs> not really. I, not really. But it, there was something so painful about prepare, like a prepared statement as if I was giving a speech. Yeah. Yeah. I awful. don't know. It, it was awful. Because your expectations are so thrown off. They're like not really realistic at all. It was, it was the dumbest decision that isn't really, I'm not like even that embarrassed about it. It's, it's more just like, Oh, I did. I did that at one point. Well, I'll give my embarrassing story of this and then maybe we'll move on to the vacant lot. Cause I think we've exhausted Shh, everything. Yeah. Well, uh, go ahead and I'll say one thing, but tell your embarrassing, <laughs> tell your embarrassing story and then I'll ask another question. But so I used to work at this cafe and I'm not going to give the name of the cafe. But in London. <laughs> and uh, there was only like six cafes. Yeah. So you could figure it out. But yeah, it wasn't one of the million bars. It was a cafe. And then across the street, which this gives away even more, there is a, a another cafe that did coffee that Corey <laughs> actually works at right oh, now. Oh, interesting. So if you want to do some snooping, you'll find out quickly. Yeah. And there was a girl that worked there. She was a very, very sweet girl. Very, very cute girl. I had just broken up with my girlfriend of five years yeah, I'm not going to go into how that relationship was, but it wasn't good. And then we, so I was in that weird space that everyone gets in after being in a relationship forever where you're a crazy person. You're literally insane. You're like manic. You're like, this is the best moment of my life. I can literally do anything. And then you're so sad. And then there's like a, a large amounts of alcohol involved. And sure. then you're just all over the place. So I'm getting ready to go on a bike ride with my buddy who worked there at the time. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I, I go up to him like this girl across the street. She's adorable. She's so freaking awesome. I've chatted with her a couple times and I want to get her phone number or give her my phone number. And he's like, yeah, you definitely should. I was like, what the hell do I say? And he says, this is the first thing that comes out of his mouth. His ma- what he said was, and I was stupid enough to fall through this, is, <laughs> hey, I know we've only talked a couple of times. But there's something that's really interesting about you, and I would like to hang out with you. And me being like in a constant hangover for <laughs> months at that point, I was like, "That's because, a phenomenal because, because idea." Because you just broke I, up yeah, with, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. sad. You don't realize how sad you are, but I was sad. And I, in my mind, I was like, "That's a fantastic idea. I'm gonna definitely do that." So I wrote it down on a piece of paper, like Corey did. <laughs> this, yes, this actually happened. And I'm sitting at the bar at, at the, my place that I work, but I'm off the clock, obviously. And I'm going over those that line over and over again, like Arnold does when he goes like, hey, Ruth, hi, Ruth. And I'm doing it. And then at no point do I think like, that is the worst line ever. No one could have said a better line. And I think he set me up to fail knowing how screwed up I was at the time. <laughs> so I go, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go do it. So I like grab the note and I put it in my pocket and I'm like doing the lines in my head. I burst out the door of the cafe and I start to walk across the street because it's literally across the street. 
Once I get into the middle of the street, I realize I didn't plan for this part where I have to walk into the cafe. The cafe is going to be full of people and she might not be at the bar. And then I realize all these scenarios I should have thought about before. So I go and I'm like, screw it. I'm going to keep doing it. Hello, is so-and-so there? I'd like to speak with her privately. (laughs) It gets worse. It gets worse. It's worse than that. So I go and I open the door and I realize there's no one behind the bar. The restaurant cafe is full of people and I feel like they're all staring at me, but they aren't. They're doing whatever boring thing they were doing. Eating? Not, not boring. Yeah, eating, drinking, drinking coffee. coffee. Uh, boring. boring. Yeah. Um, you know, that kind of... I'm sorry. I'm like getting worked up. They weren't boring. <laughs> They're doing stuff boring. So then I realized there's no one behind the bar, but I go up to the bar anyways. I should have evacuated. I should have left at that point. And I go to the bar. Exit and, strategy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could have just gone straight ahead and gone out the other door well, and left. <laughs> But right. I didn't do that. Or you could have, you could have bought a drink and left. Like, yeah, I could have made done it normal. Like anything. I walked in here normal to buy a normal tea. The Bye-bye. worst part is I was already there that morning and I had already oh, bought a drink, so I had nothing to buy. Got it, so got I got literally got it, got it, went to the bar and I said, oh, is so-and-so working? The other person goes, yeah. And so she comes to the thing and the, the bar oh. and the person that I initially spoke to is just standing there. <gasps> and so I do my speech. But I realize how absurd it is halfway through, and I literally stop talking. So I start to say, I know we haven't really talked much before. Then nothing comes out of my mouth for at least 30 seconds. But I do this nod like, fuck. (laughs) And then she recognized that. And the sweetheart that she was, she goes, yeah? And I'm like, all right. So I kept going. That was the fuel I needed to keep going. I finished my thing. She giggles. I feel like a piece of crap. And then she says, um... I have a boyfriend, but yeah, here's my phone number. Weird. And she writes down her phone number and I'm like, oh, cool. Like, thank you. And I like take the phone number and I walk away. And then a couple days later, I realized the phone number was missing the last digit, which was. (laughs) Uh, How (laughs) convenient. How convenient. So anyway, so I noticed uh, that story. But you didn't, the, you didn't approach her for her number? No, I did. I went back and I was like, Hey, you're not, you're missing your number. But then I felt like an idiot. She had a freaking boyfriend and now they're happily ever after probably. But I don't know. Yeah. yeah so that's here in a while. That was the lowest low, I think where I, but that was the most like Arnold I had ever felt before. Yeah. I realized. Yeah. And it was one of the worst moments of my life. That's what I was going to ask you about. Like, I was just gonna be like, Oh, like any crushes where you're like rehearsing and then like nothing comes of it. And I just blurted it. Yeah. Said. To her and to you just now. I do, yeah. I wonder, well, if you're listening, you know who you are. <laughs> if, if, I, if this, if like the one review we're going to get on this podcast is from her, and she'd be like, why the hell did you tell that story? I, that would be, one, yeah, that'd be wonderful. But luckily, it's, she can like just leave it as anonymous, and so we can just like, <laughs> keep her name anonymous. She's so nice, she would not do that. No, she but, would never do that. Yeah, there's something to, I guess... Yeah, the rehearsing thing was something I was interested in. And the other thing, too, is him saying, I love the chase. I mean, he didn't say that, but that's what you said. Because like, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for Arnold. Yeah. That is like, and I don't know how it happens between him and Ruth. Like, because she's not his main crush for this show, but it, she's like one of them, you know? And I'm trying to remember how it kind of, I don't, and I don't remember um, how it how it finishes. But we'll find, I guess we'll find we out. Yeah. Um, but there's something so normal about, especially when you're crushing hard, when you're crushing on somebody and when they give you the time of day, you go, meh, and you move on. And this is the opposite of that. Yeah. But anyway, I don't know. I have to think about that a little bit longer. 
Like, don't you think that's the case a lot of times? Not all the time, but a lot of so times. Once you get that approval that you're searching for, it you're doesn't like, really mean as much. Yeah, you get the approval and you're like, you know what? Actually, I don't want to date them. Yeah, I've never had that happen because I've never like tried that hard as I did in the last story I told. That was a once-in-a-lifetime oh, no. thing. Yeah, totally. But totally. usually if you try a little bit, you get something back and it feels cool. I've never had it where it's like, eh, screw it. I always think like... All right, let's see where this goes. All right, let's see the magic happens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I sound that smooth too. <laughs> I don't know. I just think I think when you obsess, I guess it's more like when you obsess over someone or even something like a job or whatever. You obsess over it for so long, and then you get it, and you're like, oh, it wasn't what I. No, but I think there is something where if you're obsessing at all, you're probably not in a healthy space. Like right. It's right. not really a good feeling to have. Like yeah. if you're thinking, if you if you are plotting out how your relationship should start you are starting from a bad oh. gra- shaky ground so every relationship i've ever considered probably good cool yeah you'll be ready when you're ready <laughs> yeah maybe i should go the jail route yeah just, just live just my life life happen you know what yeah whatever or wait till like 35 look at all your friends that are single and go all right i'm gonna choose one of the two of you yeah and i'm ready boom boom it's not a bad way to go it's not bad at all actually all right, I'm doing it. <laughs> Just kidding. No, yeah, already plotting. Here you know, I'm gonna wait until I'm 35. No dating until. Yeah, no, see you in seven years. Just, right. You know. All right. So oh, I wish there was other things we could say. There are mirrors. That's cool. I guess. Nah. Holy provolone. Not worth it. We've very exhausted it. We went personal on that one, which I think is fine. It, you know what? Amen. Amen, brother. So now I think I'm gonna s- segue us. We're going to the vacant lot. Vacant lot. Cool. Episode number two do of this. Do group. you feel like you got a ha- handle on it? Do you want to talk about it or do you want me to give a quick s- summary? Uh, I'll give a quick summary. I'll try. I'll try to do it. Try to okay. Do I'll, I'll fill in the blanks. Okay. So the vacant lot essentially is that the the neighborhood kids, which includes all the people in the cast you've met thus far, mm-hmm. if you've been following along. Plus a few more. Supposed to, then yeah, follow along, guys. Come yeah. on. <laughs> uh. <laughs> So, yeah, they want to play baseball, but they don't have a place to pay b- to play baseball. Car. Yeah. They find out that they realize that playing in the street is a terrible idea because traffic never stops. Yeah. So they're having a, their one game has taken them, I think, what you say, like two or three days at that point, or like one <laughs> inning has this, taken this two This inning days. has taken two days. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, so, no, it hasn't, but okay. Yeah. It's a long inning. So they feel really discouraged and um gerald and arnold are walking home one night and they're like talking about how they wish that they had their own place to play baseball and as they do they pass this like vacant lot between these buildings and it's literally covered by three uh, buildings on all three sides so there's only one open side which is facing the street and it's covered in garbage and tires and like weeds uh, and weeds and yeah overgrowth yeah uh, laundry like a dryer yeah yeah. everything that you has been discarded is sitting there and they pass it at first and they revisit it and then arnold realizes this is their space this is where they're gonna play baseball so they get all the neighborhood kids together and they clean up the space and they make do with what they have so the uh, home plate is like a it's like a hubcap yeah. And the, the uh, pitching mound is like a barrel that they've half dug into the ground. And they just make do with whatever they have. They end up uh, playing the game. They have a really great time. They go the next day to play at the, the, at the field. And the adults have also found out about the space that has been like revitalized a bit, has been taken care of. And they discover that they can do all the stuff they wanted to do on that spot. So they're lounging around. They're pl- planting potted plants. There's chickens. All the different people in the cast have their own little niche leisure activity that they're doing there. And the kids freak out. And they are so discouraged. And they're hanging out in an alley across the way, being rambunctious kids. 
and Arnold, playing baseball playing in the alley. Baseball, yeah, in this very narrow alley. And so <clears throat> they get pretty fed up and Arnold wants to show the parents like that they put in all this work. So he see him and his friends see a dumpster. They push the dumpster over and they knock it back into the spot, the lot uh, to show them that like, this is what existed before it was trash before. And you guys didn't notice it. We took to our time and we uh, fixed it up and like, we want to have our baseball field there. And the parents sort of uh, in here on the fashion, they like come to their senses and then they make up for it the next day and all night they work and they have present this beautiful baseball field. Yeah, they make looks, it better than before. Exactly. Amazing. And they give it to the kids and everybody has uh, a game together. And it's like a really, really beautiful, wonderful ending. Yeah. And that's, that's good. Sort of the episode in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there's like a few really interesting moments, I think, uh, in the episode. And um, while staying like pretty strictly on the baseball thing right now, I mm-hmm. think there's this idea of... <clears throat> the kids being kids, they don't like look at this lot and go, Oh, you can't actually play baseball here. It's covered by buildings on all sides. Like you can't actually hit like the ball very far at all. They just realize it for what they think that it can be, which is a baseball field. So when Arnold hits the first hit, it like immediately hits the wall across on the other side. Mm-hmm. And so it's showing the limitations of the space that mm-hmm. while they're making yeah. do, it's extremely limited. And the kids in the next scene, the ball hits the wall. And one of the kids, what is his name? Sid. Sid. Yeah, yeah, Sid. Like catches the ball after it's like bounced off the wall. So it's showing, I think, in my mind that he is like a, they're adapting to the space. And they're not mm. seeing it for its limitations. They're just adapting to it. Yeah. And yeah. learning to enjoy it for what it is. And the wonderful thing about the episode is that nobody complains the entire time they're no, playing there. No. They're just so yeah. happy to be playing. Yeah even though it's not a, a place that would be advantageous for playing baseball at all. Um, and so there, and there was a few other things that I, I, I noticed about it as well. Like, um, and in the scene where Arnold and his friends, they dump the trash onto the field. All the parents are like, what are you doing? Are you some kind of litter bug? Like, why would you do that? That's disgusting. Blah, blah, blah. And they don't realize like what the point of what he's doing. Mm. But I think in that moment, um, it was worthwhile for Arnold to degrade the space because the space no longer represented him or his friends. Mm -hmm, It mm -hmm. had morphed into something else Mm -hmm. that they were not allowed to participate in and they had no ownership in. Whoa. So they felt comfortable like defacing the space. And I was thinking, um, when a bit ago there was the, uh, riots in Baltimore, there was a situation or like, I think it was only a day of writing actually, uh, and looting. Um, there was a situation where a CVS got like burned, looted, and then burned. And everybody in the news was saying like, why are these people doing this to their neighborhood? They're destroying their neighborhood. And I think the response is like, yeah, they should not have done that. Right. But there's the situation is far more complex. And it reminded me of, of this episode, actually, about that moment when he puts the trash onto the, the, this, this place, the, this open space that people were enjoying. It's that, like the CVS, it, the CVS is viewed as like a, like a colonial force. Like it's like, it's gone into a neighborhood and it's inhabited this neighborhood and it does not represent those that live there. Cause it doesn't, they don't hire people that live in the neighborhood either. Just as the older people who have planted their potted plants and they have their chickens mm-hmm. and they're doing their leisurely activities don't represent Arnold and his friends. So they no longer see themselves in this space. Yeah. Therefore they're going to do with it what they may. Well, there's the, you know, if the question is, Arnold, why would you trash the lot that you cleaned up? This is your lot. 
It no, was it's no, not. It's yeah, no longer it was lot. no longer yeah. his lot. And just as in a, an eluding rioting situation, like that is poverty. Like this, the, this thing, this entity, CVS, does not represent whatever right, that neighborhood right. in Baltimore. It represents right. some sort of commercial um, sort of entity that doesn't really benefit the people much when there was already things that accommodated them before in their neighborhood. And so it's like a loose thing, but it like was the first thing that sort of came into my mind, this idea of ownership and what mm. is ownership. Like is, is if you're renting in a home, you are not owning that home, but you still feel an ownership over it because your space, you have made it your own. Just like if you're, hey Arnold, uh, you're Arnold and his friends, they don't own the streets. Like why do they feel okay to play baseball in the street to begin with? It's because this is their neighborhood. They don't own the neighborhood, but it is their space that they have created for themselves. So they feel like they deserve a place to play baseball, even though they don't have any ownership. Right, really. right. Yeah, from a legal term, yeah, legal terms, legal they, don't own, they don't own anything. No one, and the, and the adults don't either. They don't yeah. own that lot. Um, and I think oh, there's there's a sense of accomplishment, and the ownership thing really sticks with me too. Like, I remember that's like something my dad always says is, you know, pride and ownership, you know, take yeah. care of your car, take care of your home. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think if you drop the legal um, monetary connection to ownership and add more of like a sense of accomplishment and like, like a pride thing. The reason that they're like, if someone said, Hey, clean that, clean that field up. I'd be like, why? I don't care. But if I was a nine year old and I wanted to play baseball and someone said, Hey, let's go clean up that field and we'll make it into a baseball field. I'd be like, all right, cool. I'm in. Yeah, definitely. And, and them having that goal allowed them to put pride into the work they were doing. Yeah. And you mentioning that they don't complain at all. That's because they're working towards their, all these kids are coming together to work towards a goal that's going to benefit them all. It's yeah, not just definitely. like, oh, cleaning a vacant lot is good because it makes the neighborhood look better. They don't care about that. They want yeah. to be able to partake in the neighborhood too, not just make it look better. Yeah, definitely. They, it, that combination of like, like pride in things looking good, but more so pride in being able to participate in a thing. Yeah, that's, that's going to benefit them. Definitely. I think like this episode in loose terms also like touches on the idea of gentrification. I think what yeah, you just course. said yeah, is yeah. like the most ideal form of how gentrification should work. Right. Which right. is that nobody likes violence. Nobody really likes gang activity. Nobody likes these things. And people associate like how do you get a neighborhood out of that sort of state of being is to gentrify it. You bring new businesses. You bring right, involvement right. and development and sort of things. And that, to some degree that is true. But at the same time, it, it, if we're, you want to talk about this idea of ownership – Ownership is far more complicated than this monetary legal idea right, of ownership. Right. That's so, there, but it's not, it's way more complicated. Exactly. Than that. It's, yeah. yeah it, it's not the whole, all of it. And so if the, the most important thing, like you were just saying, is that involvement. If like developers and people came into a neighborhood right, and right. said, I know you guys have been living here for a long time. Right, right, right. right. Like we see this opportunity to make this neighborhood better. What do you want your, mm -hmm. your community mm -hmm. to look like? Yeah. Because yeah. If your end goal is how do we eradicate poverty and how do we eradicate gang violence and, and all these and, uh, property damage and these sorts of things, um, and your way out is gentrification, the people that live in the area need to have a say. Just like mm -hmm. Arnold, everybody was happier at the end when like everybody was on board together. Yeah. And the yeah. kids and the adults said, we're going to make a baseball field and we're going to make it the best baseball field that it can be. Yeah. Yeah. It's like there was no longer a hubcap for a home plate. It was yeah, like a real home yeah, plate. Yeah, yeah. Like it looked like a baseball yeah, diamond. A like chain it, link fence. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It like looked really good. And in, in real, the real world, you could also do those things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm. Um, yeah. Because if you want people to care about where they live, they have to have a stake in it. 
but there's more to a stake than just like monetary and legal ownership, I guess. Yeah. I think that direction to Arnold, uh, there's like, obviously like missing a little bit too of potential of a place. Uh, um, yeah, 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 definitely. So Arnold sees the vacant, you know, him and Gerald are talking. Yeah. If only we had a, a baseball field of our own. And then Arnold sees this vacant lot covered in garbage and Arnold being the, he's introspective. He sees, he sees things at a, like a deeper level, you know, he's able to look at that field and go, Oh, I see what this is. And it took Gerald a second, but because he's a kid on the same wavelength as Arnold, he's able to pretty quickly, like they were, they got into agreement very quickly and they convinced all the other kids, Hey, we have a dream for this place. And there's maybe a conversation of from a kid versus adult standpoint, kids can see things past their cover. They, they can see things, um, they can see th- a thing's potential in a way that adults maybe can't. But then also, like, what does that mean for the gentrification direction? Like, do people who have a stake, are they able to see things to their p- real potential? Do you think that's true or not always? Like, Yeah, I don't know. I think that, so um, if we're going to be talking about this in terms of gentrification, I think that the most interesting part is, if you've watched the episode, when the kids make the baseball field, like, yes, it is a baseball field, but it's very rudimentary and they're using the means that they have right. at right hand and so i guess if you're looking at like a neighborhood that wants to revitalize Mm. right and um the neighborhood if they don't have much capital and much means like they can only do as much as they can because they don't have the ability to build new buildings from the ground up that requires a lot of capital they don't have they 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 maybe can only make do with what is around Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so a, a neighborhood can look like not awful but it can look pretty good but then if they were to team up, say, with people with money and capital, like the developers, and they were to work hand in hand, right, right, they would be right. able to develop this space that like works for all. And I think that's when the parents enter the equation later on. That's the missing ingredient. Like they have right. a little bit of money because they obviously brought new materials to the yeah. baseball yeah, 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 field. Yeah. And they brought like uh, their more experienced manpower. Um, and they were able to create something that was like very traditionally visually appealing. Like it looked like a sort of quintessential baseball field buzz. Yes, yes. So I think that you yeah. can. I think the de- the people on in terms of gentrification, the developers see the potential, hmm. and but the people in the neighborhood obviously see the potential, and to some degree, that's why they live there. Yes, because yeah. yes, people there is limited mobility, but people can still kind of move around. Right, right, right. Um, but they see yeah. like this is where my family is rooted. These are yeah. these are my these are my people. These are my businesses that I go to. Whatever it is. Yeah, I think I think the line that like is troubling and it I think part of it is a critique on like uh, a lack of like imagination that maybe parents have or adults have um, the line that Mr. Green the butcher sees the field and goes you know I never noticed this but this place has there's a lot of space here yeah you didn't notice it because you didn't clean it up that's that's the reality like that guy didn't notice it because he didn't do the hard work it took to get that like place healthy and clean again um, and I wonder I think part of that is just like a lack of vision that yeah. that you know, that without imagination, you, you're going to lack vision and lack seeing the potential. But then from like a developing standpoint, l- kind of capitalizing on a thing that you had no part in at all, right? Yeah. Which is what they did. They then made it like it their own place. And it, what they made was like a hodgepodge of things that don't, that yeah. don't belong together. Like chickens don't belong with tomatoes. Yeah, they, it doesn't. Yeah. A checkerboard doesn't belong with, you know, uh, planting roses. Like those things don't, there was belong. no unity in the vision. There's no unity in the vision. And I, I think that happens a lot too. When you see like a place that booms really fast and then dies out, it's because 
it's because the for whatever reason the developers they saw potential in a place that was starting to get gentrified and instead of like moving slowly or moving like specifically it's, sort of authoritative. it's like they just they're like, like oh let's put this here and this here and this yeah. here and they don't think about the context of the people who live there they don't yeah. think about how things flow together um well that's like you see that down the street from where we're recording this right now it's like right. there's this place called center street and it's a fair, it looks like kind of a bit like downtown Disney a little bit. Like right. it, it's really strange because it all sprung out of the ground at once. And it's like, there's like a, a, like a, uh, like a little coffee shop. And then right next to it is like a little, little cheese shop. Mm-hmm. And the next one is like a menswear shop. And it's like all of these really like, like, yeah, it's cool, but it's like kind of strange. It's almost like a dream come true uh-huh. for somebody. Like uh-huh. one guy was like, this is what the people want. They want to be able to buy this like uh, fancy cheese. They want like a fancy cup of coffee and they really want a new pair of boots and they yeah. want like yeah, a beret yeah. or something. And, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, beret, beret. That's what the kids are wearing these days. Yep. Yep. Yeah, beret. Um, and yeah, they, they like, well, I guess, yeah, never mind. But I yeah, let's keep, let's keep, let's flesh out that joke a little bit. <laughs> yeah, well, the braid thing to me like shows the disconnect is what I meant. Like that, got uh, like it, a got guy it, with got all it, the, yeah, ca- yeah, all the money yeah. and like half of a half baked idea yeah. would think that's what people want is like a fancy cheese shop. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah, the people of, 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 of urban Anaheim definitely want fancy cheese. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. the cheese shop is doing fine. Everybody. It's a great cheese shop. Let's not get. No, yeah, from. we're not it's crapping on the cheese shop. But I mean, it's just the idea, like the developing ideas. Yeah, yeah, about. yeah. Um, yeah, there's no collaborative element. But I think in, in Hey Arnold, of course, the way that the show runs is at the very end, it's so ideal. It's so the mm-hmm. way that it should be. It's like everyone gets together and they have this vision and they make it really like very like in the best way that they can. And there's not really like what are what are like famous examples of that where like there's like an, like what are neighborhoods in the United States where that's happening, you know? I don't know. I'm sure there's a few. Like I know, um, so so in in Los Angeles, there's pretty much almost every neighborhood has been gentrified in L.A. Like you have Boyle Heights that hasn't been Compton yet. hasn't yet Compton hasn't um, yet. But there, and I know that within that environment, like say with Boyle Heights as an example, they they as a community have gotten together and are trying so hard to not allow it to be gentrified, right? And right. not allow developers to come in through different community actions and stuff, which I think is pretty great. But they, I forget what it, my girlfriend has explained to me. She's studying sociology and works for a nonprofit. And she said, I think it's called hentification is what she called it. And it's like, it's basically just talks about gentrifying through like collaborative efforts and mm-hmm. through for the people. So it serves the people in the community and it doesn't serve like the investment interest which is what is happening like you look at like the artist district in los angeles out like right within downtown right right there's a brewery and there's you know lots of coffee shops mommy burger yeah bookstore very expensive clothing boutiques and stuff like that and that before was literally a dump it was just filled with artists and it was filled with homeless people and that was basically it and now you'd think like that place has been cool forever but it's just they've dumped like eight years is it yeah and they've dumped like an insane amount of money i can't remember the number offhand but it's an insane amount of money into it and they still are right now and i think this episode play on the day of gentrification it shows the, the the process of gentrification so I, I had a professor explain the process of gentrification to me and it's really great which is first the people that move into a neighborhood are the people that are the low-income people of whatever uh, given group that are living there and then you have the artists that are looking for cheap places to live. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then once the artists have got there, you have the queer community that comes in there too. Because 
for whatever reason, they like the arts, they like the cheap rent, they like all these sorts of things. They like to be in a creative environment. And then you have the sort of yuppies that move in. And then once the yuppies have pretty much moved in, the development has already started at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, that's kind of like the traditional path of uh, gentrification. And that happens in this episode because you have the trash and the dirt and then not saying that's what the initial people are, but in this episode, you have that sort of undesirable quote unquote looking a lot. And then you have the kids who are the creative types. Right. They have oh, this craft they do, which is baseball. And then they want to make it better. And once they do, then the yuppie adults say, ooh, there's really something here. Yeah. And, <laughs> so, and you're then, pulling good stuff, man. That's, and then, good. <laughs> That's they, good. They take it over and screw it up. And if you watch the episode, you see how they just really, then, really oh. screwed up. Adam, what am I doing right now? Covering your eyes. Because I just thought of how the kids... What happens when the, when the parents basically, when the adults, they're not all the parents. There's like a couple parents, but mostly just adults in the neighborhood. When they kick out the kids, where do they go? The, the kids. Sh- the yeah. shitty alley. Yeah, they go in the bad it's alley. Like, it's like the terrible alley. So and these, they, they end up breaking a window by trying to play baseball there. Yeah. So basically it's like, like, it's, it's like, a cycle. and that's what part of gentrification is once the rent gets too high. Then the people who lived there before they get they have to get out of there. Well, and they moved to like a theoretic, in theory, a worse neighborhood. Yeah, a worse neighborhood. And there's the line of where someone I don't know who Arnold or Helga or Harold is like, oh, let's just try to play anyway. Just like let's try to play baseball anyway. So they try to keep doing their thing, where all this other stuff has been like thrown, and it just doesn't work. They try. Yeah, and, and then and Helga says like, "This is the real world. Like, what did you expect?" Or she has some line like that to Arnold. Like, yeah, when your parents run the, the clouds. I, yeah, yeah. I think you, I think. I think this is a lot about, uh, maybe not explicitly, but there's some gentrification elements here, especially when they get, when they get, they get displaced to a crappier area. Yeah. It, you know, there's graffiti on the wall. There's, which graffiti, I was actually thinking about graffiti when they push the, um, when they push the dumpster, the dumpster onto the, onto the lots. Like, why would you do this? This is like a beautiful place. Well, this is how we found it. Like there was yeah. graffiti here. We cleaned it up. Yeah, yeah. Not actually graffiti, but like that same kind of mentality. like mentality. Like, like uh, when a nice thing in a crazy place gets graffitied. I'm not saying that's okay to do. I don't. You know, it's there. Uh, but there's probably a reason. The, behind the it. reason is because before that thing was there, like nobody cleaned up the graffiti then. Yeah. Why are people cleaning up the graffiti now? Yeah. So it's interesting that they get sent to a place with graffiti, with like broken windows, with a dead cat, or like what you know, like yeah. crazy stuff. That displacement thing is really interesting as like where they have to get sent. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and like if you live in Orange County area, you can. this is like really, really actively happening in Santa Ana. It yeah, has been totally. for a number of years, but it's like really kicking into high gear now. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and it's crazy because as, well, this is a, like a total tangent, but um, there are certain neighborhoods in Santa Ana that have pretty much 24 hours uh, like police surveillance. And it's because they really don't want that to bleed into these like hoity-toity uh, sort of newly developed areas because they don't, they want people to feel like the artist district in Santa Ana is some sort of bubble. Like, and you can come to this space. You can come from South County. You can come from, yeah. you know, Los Newport Angeles. Beach. Yeah. And you can come to like gritty Santa Ana and you can get like some good tapas and a beer, you know, and like, which there is good tapas and a yeah. beer. No, yeah. Santa Ana is a f- 
great place. But to create that feeling of a bubble, like for outsiders to make it sort of an exotic experience sure. where there's people that like, this is their life. Like this is where they live mm-hmm. and this is where they have always lived and this is where they will continue to live. But if that sort of keeps going on like that, like where Maybe do not. they go? Yeah. You leave Stanton and you go to Stanton. Like what is your next stop? You know what I mean? Well, and, and all like Stanton yeah. is the alley. Yeah, no, <laughs> the kids yeah, themselves exactly. in. Beach Boulevard from Buena Park down <laughs> to like Huntington is basically the alley. That's yeah, yeah. the sorry, yeah. Stanton. Oh no, Stanton's great, great town. Great town. There's a cool pawn shop there. Good musical instruments and stuff. Oh, that's like good it. to know. Yeah, yeah um, a story I, I mentioned it to you earlier. Like, there's a story that I think of with this lot. Um, my dad, my mom, and dad inherited a vacant lot from my dad's dad, um, and it was located in Morro Bay, and. My thanks, grandpa. Thanks, Papa. Um, and my parents, they did end up selling it. Um, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> In case you want to follow up with that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so my dad at one point, yeah, he's like, oh, let's, we're driving up through there anyway. Let's check it out. Let's just see how the old vacant lot is doing. And we show up and there is just this massive treehouse. Massive treehouse. That's so cool. It is cool. Except... When like we looked into it, it was like gonna fall at any point, <laughs> and so because my parents owned that land, they're like, we can't like kids are playing here, we can't get sued, we can't. Yeah, yeah. So like, oh, this is when they still owned it. They still owned uh, it. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, and he's like, we gotta like, it's it's a ter- it's a it's a terrible thing that uh, is so sad, and and they knew it, but it's like we have to tear this down. So how can we get the community involved instead of like just like bringing in bulldozers? What can we do? And. I like really love the idea. I think it didn't work, but it's not because it wasn't, I thought it was a really thoughtful thing to do. It just, it just, I think it just, it was like pouring like salt into an open wound, which is, Hey kids, we're tearing down your tree, but we want you to help and we'll pay you, (laughs) which is, which is like really nice because it's saying like, we know this means a lot to you. We want to make sure that like you have the, like you're able to like take part in like, like mourning the loss of this thing. (laughs) It wasn't, it wasn't at all like, like, Let's face it. It was a liability issue. Yeah. Well, no, it was absolute <laughs> liability issue. But um, I just thought, yeah, it was it was interesting, like that decision. And I think most of the kids were like, yeah, that makes sense. We'll do it. And they're all like thirteen and fourteen and fifteen. Yeah. They're like they're about ready to stop climbing in treehouses anyway. Yeah. But but there was one kid in particular who just was a sourpuss the whole time. He was so always angry, warm. like always folding his arms, like <laughs> so mad, like like a lot of crying and it's so sweet because he built that tree house. Yeah. But on the second floor of the tree house, they somehow got a couch up there. That's so like, so awesome. it is awesome until it breaks and like yeah, kills yeah. a kid. Right. Yeah. And they pour like concrete into the, <laughs> it's like yeah. so Fun weird. and freedom always. Has yeah. Risks. So many black widows. <laughs> um, but anyway, I thought of that a lot too. Like, uh, like who owns the vacant lot? My yeah. folks did. And they had to figure out what are we going to do? Like, are we going to, what, what type of ownership are we going to have? And they're like, we don't want to get sued. Yeah, squatter's rights is what yeah. the kids are thinking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Squatter's rights. Squatter's <laughs> rights. Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I thought of real quick, though. Yeah, this is a good episode. It's like, it's a, just like in the snow episode where Grandpa is given the opportunity to think about the decisions he's made with his grandson, these adults are able to do the same thing. And it's cool to see them process it and like, then show up and do the thing they should have done in the first place, which is partner with these kids. Um, that's really cool. That's the thing I think it's the best, like my favorite thing about the show is that it shows a lot of like mutual respect from the kids to the adults. And I think yeah. that, that is pretty, yeah. 
pretty great. And I think, uh, I don't know, everybody could use a bit of that. Yeah. I love um, Gerald saying, let's call it Gerald Field. And I remember the first time I watched it, I'm like, oh, shoot, Arnold's going to win at Arnold Field. That's the theme of the whole episode. And it's not. Nobody says anything. They just go along. Arnold goes, yeah, Gerald Field. That sounds great. Yeah. And it's like a sign of true friendship of, yeah, if you want to call it Gerald Field, that's cool with me. Yeah. Yeah, that was really great. Yeah. And, like, Helga isn't worrying about Arnold at all. There's no moment where she, you know, like, clutches her heart. Like, Yeah, this episode is, that's, that. I think I think I meant to say this earlier, is that this, uh, these episodes, it's like, the first one uh, with Pro- uh, Operation Ruthless, and then the vacant lot, it's that format of, this one is about, like, the love, like, uh, character development, and, like, the love connection between um, Helga and Arnold. Helga and Arnold, and then the second one is, like, attempting to tackle some sort of issue that we are trying desperately to unpack and figure out. And I think we, we pretty much got it. And I think we learned more about how much we got it as we went on talking and talking and talking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, is there anything, any other like details that are interesting to you or that? Um, no, I think we like touched on all of it. What does the viewer think? No, I'm just kidding. We're not doing that. E- e- yeah. Yeah. Uh, listener mail. Uh, <laughs> we've got a lot of listener mail. Um, we don't have any at all. We're still figuring out guys, please. Um, yeah. Subscribe. Tell your friends, please rate and review. Um, and we promise if you show us how much you like listening to Corey and I talk, we will really try harder to make this better and better every time. Yeah, yeah. We, we have some, uh, a couple things in our, uh, up our sleeve that we're going to try to We want to try, soon. but we, we're still, you know, we're, this is a new venture and we are figuring out our voice and what yeah. works. Um, and I'm, I'm happy with the stuff that we've, we've talked about. It's been really like, it's opened up this show a lot for me. Um, yeah, it's fun. It's really yeah, fun. It's really cool. So please come back soon. We're still figuring out how many we're going to do a week and when we're going to update it. Um, hopefully we're hoping to get a consistent schedule so you can kind of expect when to see, when to see the shows or not see here. Yeah. Hearing the episodes. Um, yeah. Well, thank you again. And, um, that's it. Bye bye. Thanks guys.